The Trumpet Daily program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily program begins right now. But we need to remember that this is not just happening at Twitter. This is happening at Google. It's happening at Facebook, um, YouTube, probably across the board. Uh, if you remember the FBI, when they were giving these bogus briefings before the 2020 election to the big tech platforms uh, about, you know, Russian disinformation, a.k.a. the New York Post's impending uh, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden story, they went to about seven different platforms, including Reddit. Uh, so this is a censorship, a biased regime that is across the board controlling our thoughts, our ideas, what we see, what information we have access to. And they are biased in one direction. That was what was so stark about the material that Barry Weiss released last night uh, was that it was all conservatives. It was all people who dissented from the uh, Biden administration's, uh, the federal government, you know, even during the Trump time, whether it be the CDC, uh, Anthony Fauci, uh, whatever the regime's uh, decisions were, anyone who dissented, ended up being banned, blocked, shadow banned, um, throttled, you name it. And yeah. uh, this is so corrosive. It's just the tip of the iceberg, she says. Twitter came out uh, last night with its second round of files exposing the fact that they had, in fact, shadow banned and that they had, in fact, censored uh, conservatives. It was always going in that direction. And, of course, behind it, you had the deep state guiding it, orchestrating it all. And, and people, even even Tucker Carlson now saying that the FBI rigged the election in 2020. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website. That's thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live. Takes you to our live stream page. And also you can watch after the fact or listen on your device after the fact. We post the, these videos as podcasts on our website and they're available to uh, most of your devices for download as well. The email address, td at the trumpet.com. I know we haven't gotten to viewer feedback in a while, but uh, we've got quite a stack of comments and uh, we, we'd love to add yours to it as well if you take the time over the weekend to, uh, to give us some some feedback. So as I say, this second installment of the Twitter files comes in, published last night, this time from uh, Barry Weiss. Uh, and the big reveal is that uh, conservatives, conservatives have been censored. Maybe uh, a lot of it went on without, without Jack Dorsey's knowledge. Uh, but that said, it happened. I guess uh, Elon Musk tweeted out that the inmates were running the asylum. So he's uh, inherited this, this, or purchased rather, this crime scene, and he's going in there and cleaning it up and uh, making it known what was going on behind the scenes. As, and as Miranda Devine said there in that cold open, uh, Twitter's just one of seven, at least seven platforms that were being directed by the federal government 
by the radical left to censor conservative voices on, on a number of subjects. I just saw the Biden Inc. documentary last night, or at least the first two installments that Tucker put together. I, I mean, I, I sit there and think, it, what, would, what would a Supreme Court justice think if watching this, it's basically showing that we're under a communist attack? America's under attack. <laughs> you've, you've heard it here first. All the way back to Herbert Armstrong's ministry. Back in the 1940s and 50s when he was telling us where this communist infiltration was leading. Well, we're here. And then, of course, it's capped off by America under attack. You put it together with Mr. Armstrong's prophecies. Wow, you have the whole story. God gave it to us in advance. A few examples from this shadow banning. Dr. J. Bhattacharya. He's that Stanford professor who basically came out strong against the lockdowns. He took a, a differing view than Tony Fauci. And so right away, social media started banning him. He can't have a voice. It's different from Fauci. So just blot him out. Dan Bongino, he was placed on uh, a search blacklist which meant that if you use Twitter's search function to find posts, that, that uh, his wouldn't appear. This was all done behind the scenes. And the users, of course, Bongino and that, uh, that Stanford professor or doctor, they didn't know what was going on. A lot of people suspected it. A lot of conservatives over the years were saying, hey, I'm actually losing uh, followers. What's going on here? Charlie Kirk, he's another conservative voice. Um, he was put, a tag on him was, do not amplify. Don't give his message any amplification. Let's just try to suppress it. We've got to try to keep it under control. Charlie Kirk was on one of the Fox programs last night in response to this revelation. Listen to what he said, clip one. So I had a very warm meeting with some of the Twitter employees back in the summer of 18. I actually met with Jack Dorsey personally, where he assured me shadow batting wasn't happening. And I didn't really believe him at the time, but I said, okay, whatever, because I wasn't really experiencing a lot of what we consider censorship. And then six months later, 12 months later, I saw their contact information, and I started to write them like, hey, guys, something's not right here. Silence. And then the virus happened in 2020, and it w you could not get a response out of Twitter. And then you would start to tweet at Jack and tweet at the Twitter management, and it was almost as if it became a wholly operated company that, that kind of changed their modus operandi from being somewhat of a social media platform to a Democrat super PAC. And I don't think they really cared. This is what these social media platforms became or are today in the case of Google, Facebook. I mean, Zuckerberg admitted that the FBI told it to cover up the Biden, pla uh, the Biden uh, laptop. So he's admitted that. Now Elon Musk gets in here, blows the lid off of all this corruption inside of Twitter. A, a Democrat super PAC, if you're advocating or, 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 or giving away free advertising or whatever it is to a Democrat platform, that's an in-kind contribution. I think Julie Kelly just tweeted that out. And if it's not declared, it's, it's illegal. You're breaking the law Since, for the U.S. government to censor you. You're breaking the These are crimes. This isn't just bias. These are crimes that are happening. And they've been happening. And they intensified, as Charlie Kirk just said there, they really went into hyperdrive with the emergence of the scamdemic. COVID. 
the the election, mass mail-in ballots, all of it. It's all connected. It will show you, I think it's from 2010. It's a CBS report. It's on a completely different subject on this uh, swap of for Griner and uh, the, the Russian warlord. And, and you go back even 12 years ago and, you know, the 60 Minutes report is actually, I was watching it last night and thought, it's, it's actually pretty good. But we have reached the peak level of mental derangement, lies, deception. The group in charge of shadow banning, listen to this, strategic response team dash global escalation team. I mean, how Orwellian is this? We'll just, we're, it's strategic. We're just trying to respond. Um, it's a global escalation uh, team. If there's a team working here to just make sure that you get the truth. Actually, it's to make sure that you get the propaganda that they want you to feed on. As I say, it's straight out of George Orwell. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, that was meant to be a warning to us, that book, 1984. Instead, it's just playing out almost chapter and verse. The account libs of TikTok, uh, that's just basically a site that reposts liberal content. And I mean, they were really watching that, that uh, Twitter page carefully because we don't want to see these radical leftists exposed. We certainly don't want to see them get, it says here, do not take action on libs of TikTok without consulting with SIP slash PES. So they were really, care the, the Twitter police carefully watching what was going on there, and of course with many other Twitter pages as well, but, but, but only if they were conservative. And all of this happening, again, without the user's knowledge. Listen to uh, this, again, from Maria Bartiromo's show. This is the, the exchange she had with Miranda Devine. Here's Maria, clip five. One point that I've been making on this program now is the fact that after the Obama administration uh, stepped down, a number of Obama officials went to work at all of these uh, social media companies. They got big yes. jobs and they got stock in Google and Twitter and Facebook, and they ended up with big jobs at these companies. So these are not journalists running these companies. These are political hacks. These are people with a, 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 an opinion uh, and uh, following the Democrats' ideology. The problem is these are huge companies, and they've had a huge impact on censoring the American people. Ah, yes, here's the Obama people again. His, uh, his second term ends in 2017, and a lot of his people, they kind of scatter throughout social media. We wrote about this. This is at thetrumpet.com, July 1st, 2019. Notice this. It says, former U.S. President Barack Obama was known as Silicon Valley's president. Big tech companies like Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft had close relationships with his administration. Oh, yeah, they're all in bed together. Data from the Campaign on Accountability shows that Google representatives attended White House meetings more than once a week during Obama's presidency. You've heard about the more recent meetings between Twitter officials and, and uh, the feds, FBI. I mean, this goes all the way back to the early Obama years, once a week. It says here, 
During his eight years in office, almost 250 people left his administration to work for Google or vice versa. See, it's one of the same. You can go from Google to Obama's uh, presidency or Obama's administration, or you go from his administration over to Google. They're all working together to destroy the country, to destroy America. And of course, the media now, as they try, listening to Joe Scarborough, as he says, oh, I'm more on the Twitter files. What's the big deal there? It's a big nothing burger. And of course, he's in on it too. So of course he's going to say that. So lopsided. It says here, it was Obama's Federal Trade Commission that ruled that Google was not an internet monopoly that should be split up into smaller companies. It appears, see, see Obama preferred the monopoly because if you control Google, then you're over everything. I mean, Google's even more powerful than Twitter. So wait till the lid comes blow, blowing off that corruption. You know it's there. I mean, even going back to this Trumpet article, you know what's happening. 215 employees, they're just like interchangeable. This was at thetrumpet.com three years ago. It appears the former Obama administration officials now in Silicon Valley are continuing their fight against President Trump. That's what it always comes down to. President Trump and American conservatives by censoring conservatives' content, conservative content from the world's most powerful media. The world's most powerful media. I mean, this is some kind of in-kind contribution. It makes you wonder. You see the most recent uh, runoff in, in Georgia where Herschel Walker is outspent. I mean, literally outspent with dollars, three to one. But then add in all these in-kind contributions, and it really does make you wonder how many radical leftists are there even in the United States? How lopsided in favor of Donald Trump is it really when you look at the numbers and you strip away the cheating and all of the in-kind contributions coming from Google, from Facebook, from Twitter, and add to that these powerful government agencies that are radical in their leftist policies too. The FBI, the DOJ, the NHS. Oh, sorry, not the NHS. That's the UK. They've got some problems over there too. But all the alphabet agencies, all of them, look at how radicalized these agencies have become. It says here, finally, a political Antiochus. This is July of 2019, thetrumpet.com. If you don't have a subscription to The Trumpet, make sure that you call our operators today. They're standing by to sign you up. No cost, no obligation. A, one, a free one-year subscription to The Trumpet magazine. Of course, you can go to thetrumpet.com online and get to a lot of that same content. The number, though, 1-866-930-3024. We wrote in July of 2019, a political Antiochus in America cast the truth to the ground for eight years. He's out of office now, but his supporters are at work in Silicon Valley. They are attempting to prevent President Trump from winning re-election. We wrote this before the, the election of 2020. By controlling what information Americans can watch and read. It says the dangers posed by such censorship go beyond an attempt to undermine a certain president or party. They, they've got control. They've got, they controlled everything that they needed to control 
going into that election in 2020, the, 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 really the last step in that rolling coup was to make sure that 100 million mail-in ballots were just distributed all over the country. And of course, they had the perfect excuse to do it, COVID. Listen to, again, Miranda Devine from, uh, I think, earlier today, clip six. If you remember when Joe Biden won the election, uh, he had a whole lot of Google and other executives come and join his administration. There's also uh, cross-pollination between the FBI and these platforms. We know that James Baker, recently fired by Elon Musk for trying to intervene and censor the Twitter file dumps that he'd ordered be done, um, he, he was former, he was the, the Twitter lawyer, he was the former top lawyer at the FBI during the Russia collusion hoax. Uh, and then others at Twitter who were in control of content moderation also turn out to have worked for the FBI and the CIA. This is a massive surveillance operation and a psyops operation at the big tech platforms. How involved the deep state is, we don't know. But we know that their intent is malevolent and that they are trying to exercise mind control on Americans to make them vote a certain way, to make them believe certain things. These are, these are massive psyops operations. They're attempting to control the flow of information, to control the minds of Americans. Again, if you just leave aside the obvious and rampant cheating with the, the, the mules, the fake ballots, the dead people voting, all of the, the machine malfunctions, the glitches, if you, all the ballot dumps at 3 a.m. in the morning, all of the mysterious things happening to the counting arenas where everything was shut down at 10 p.m., all the poll workers that had to get some sleep, the election day that turned into election week. Just leave all of that aside and look at these psyops, these, these psychological operations directed by the FBI, the DOJ, and the power you take into account. I mean, Google's powerful. There's no getting around that. Same with Twitter. But what about the intelligence community of the United States or the Department of Justice? All of these, we should call them Democrat psyops. That's what they are. They're brought on by Democrats. And like uh, Julie Kelly says, if these are in-kind contributions, certainly worth tens of millions of dollars, and, and none of it's declared because it's all done secretively, it's all done covertly, it was all being done as Twitter officials were saying, no, we don't shadow ban. We're not politically biased. We're, we're, not, being, we're not being told what to do by the government. This is just, I mean, if it violates Twitter policy, you know, we have to take it down or we have to, uh, you know, put a warning on it or whatever. This is all that they were saying. I mean, all of those clips from just a few years ago, they were circulating all over social media yesterday. Jack Dorsey and others saying, no, we're not biased. No, we're straight down the middle. And now they've been exposed. And all those, those Obama political hacks that are in those powerful positions and how there's, it's just totally interchangeable. 
as Devine said there, cross-pollination. You've got big tech. You've got uh, big government. You've got the Democrat Party. You've got big media. And who, who's the source of it all? The, the, the source of it all. It always gets back to Obama, doesn't it? It always gets back to Antiochus. Douglas Murray, this is on a, a separate subject, but Douglas Murray, he had a piece in, uh, in the Telegraph uh, just today. America's race-obsessed elites have declared war on British institutions. Who's behind this? He's commenting or writing, I'm sure, in response to Harry and Meghan's new documentary, which just trashes the royal family. And, and he goes back in his piece and he talks about how that, you know, when Queen Elizabeth II died not that long ago, he, it was, he was actually uh, pleasantly surprised at the outpouring of, of support and condolences coming from America. Americans actually wanted to view the funeral and the proceedings. But then there was this undercurrent of hatred and contempt coming from the radical elites, the radical left in the media and elsewhere. He doesn't really go back to the original source. But look, Netflix, think about Obama and, and his involvement in Netflix and Netflix then sponsoring this documentary. Who is, who is the source of this animosity and hatred toward the British royal family? Well, you go back to Barack Hussein Obama and his anti-colonialist uh, attitudes, going back to his younger years, his early years, he's had this hatred and, and this contempt for the American founding and for British colonialism. It's an attack. It's an attack on America and Britain. As I say, Douglas Murray should go right to the source. He, he basically focuses in on the elites, the ruling class, the powerful voices in media. But you come back to just the power that the surveillance state has, all of these Democrat PSYOP operations or, or psychological operations, and, and just the, the, the worth the, the financial worth of it, who knows? How could you even put a, a price tag on it? That kind of an advantage. Going into an election with, with all of those powerful forces aligned in support of a fake president or, or, or the basement president. No wonder he didn't come out of the basement. You don't need to. When you've got control over all these other agencies and you've got control over big tech, you've got control over the media, you're, you're censoring conservative voices at the same time, total control. And so, yeah, Tucker on his Biden Inc. documentary last night, I watched it last night, he says, I'll just come out and say it. Yeah, the, the FBI rigged the election. He's right. He's completely right. I mean, we've been saying this for two years for, for a, a number of reasons and causes. It's, of course it was rigged. Now you see just how involved the deep state was in rigging it for Barack Obama. He's, he's enjoying his third term right now. Barack Hussein Obama. Listen to Jason Whitlock on with Tucker last night, clip nine. 
This is very serious. This isn't about Charlie Kirk or me or anybody that didn't get to grow our Twitter account. It's about the mind control propaganda game they've been playing on the American public to overthrow our Constitution and our way of life. And they've been successful. And these people are evil and need to be held responsible. He's right. These people are evil. They're trying to overthrow the Constitution. And you don't think they'd try to overthrow the 2020 election? in the process these are these are evil people we're talking about listen to charlie kirk describe the impact that they've had on our nation clip two i don't think we'll ever be able to measure the impact of what twitter did to our voices online in the calendar year of 2020 the lives that were lost the kids that really had speech impediments and delays and school closures and of course the outcome of the 2020 election all came from a censorship regime from twitter we won't be able to ever measure the impact of this attack. Those are some pretty astounding statements coming from a few talking heads that, uh, I mean, it's like statements you'd see in America Under Attack. If you don't have that, that book, as I say, make sure that you call our operators today and request your free copy. The 800 number is one 930 3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. One third of your Bible is prophecy, and 90% of it is for our time today. This is why when you study Bible prophecy, you often read statements like, in that day, in the last days, and at the time of the end. Biblical prophecy is what makes the Bible so relevant to today, so essential to understanding our modern world. Most people, even in the world of religion, assume that nations like Britain, America, Germany, Russia and China are not mentioned in Bible prophecy. But if prophecy is mainly for our time today, How could the Bible ignore some of the most powerful and prominent nations of today? The key to understanding prophecy is knowing the biblical identities of modern nations. Learn about these identities in Herbert W. Armstrong's book, The United States and Britain in Prophecy. In this book, you will learn about the astonishing identity of the American and British people in biblical prophecies. Request your free copy today. The United States and Britain in Prophecy. The Trumpet Daily. Look, nobody's doing backflips here, Martha, about the fact that Mr. Boot is a free man. And uh, it's, it's, it's really, really extraordinary. And people are going to talk about, oh, well, this other guy, he's so terrible. You know what? There's a lot of terrible people in the world. There's a lot of terrible people in Russia. But what you don't have and what you can't allow to happen is to have a black female icon mm-hmm. treated like garbage and America do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Something was done about it and people are going to be proud about that. The right-wingers are furious. They're uh, screaming about, they say Victor Boot sold deadly weapons to would-be terrorists. And, you know, in America, if you want to sell weapons to terrorists, you have to open a Bass Pro Shop. We have a process. <laughs> but this was a big win for Joe Biden. A big win. Big win for freedom, big win for Joe Biden, whose administration brokered the release. President Biden keeps his promises, and today he fulfilled a deeply important promise to bring 
Brittany Griner home. It just shows uh, this president got it done. If I, would be, I think I would be remiss if we did not mention also the importance this plays for the LGBTQ community. Yes, sir. Brittany Griner represents everything in this country. On a personal note, Brittany is more than an athlete, more than an Olympian. She is an important role model and inspiration to millions of Americans, particularly the LGBTQI plus Americans and women of color. She represents the best of America. Her freedom is a gift to the world, to all of us. Our gift to her is this legislation that her marriage is protected wherever she may, she may live. We didn't let it stand. Uh, Americans came together, and I think that Biden uh, and Kamala Harris, uh, this is one of the things that they're going to be, I think, the most proud of. What a, what a foreign policy disaster this was. We'll, we'll talk about the swap, the other end of this deal in just a second. But here we are again. Here, here we go, another Bo Bergdahl. They go after the, the black lesbian icon who incidentally did, did break a law taking marijuana into Russia. Of course, the charges were trumped up all the more. Ten years in, in, in prison is certainly a severe penalty for sure. But, but think about how many, how many American lives are now in greater danger as they travel abroad when they look and see what you can get back, what you can get in return for an American hostage. This guy's a, a Russian warlord. We're, right now, we're in a proxy war with Russia, the United States, funneling all this money into Ukraine, fighting against Russian forces, and now we send a Russian warlord right back to them. He had been in jail, I think, for 10 or 11 years, had supplied terrorists with arms all over the world, is responsible for, for who knows how many hundreds, probably thousands and thousands of deaths. And this woman, because she's black, because she's a lesbian, because she's a sports star, they go after her in the swap instead of the Marine who's in jail. He's, he's in jail in Russia on trumped-up charges of nothing. He's a spy, says Russia. He's not a spy. He fought in Iraq for the United States. Paul Whelan's his name. We leave, we leave the U.S. Marine who went abroad to fight for America. We leave him incarcerated in Russia. And we bring back home a woman who hates the United States, just like Bo Bergdahl. She doesn't want to sing before the national anthem. She wants to take a knee. She wants the national anthem banned from her league. And so, of course, it's perfect, isn't it? Of course, the Joe Obama people go after her to try to get her home. She was told, by the way, by the State Department, hey, don't go to Russia, not at this time. She went. She went with marijuana. She was sentenced to 10, 10 11 years in, in prison. And this is the price that America pays to get her back. Listen to this CBS report. This is 60 Minutes from back in 2010. Uh, or rather, putting together a segment on on this, uh, this Victor Bout, the merchant of death, he was called, clip three. Victor Bout, uh, in, in my eyes, um, is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. On the face of the earth. Without a doubt. 
Mike Braun, the former chief of operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, told us Boot first exploded on the scene in war-torn West Africa in the late 1980s. Elevating bloody conflicts from machetes and single-shot rifles to... AK-47s, not by the thousands, but by the tens of thousands. So he weaponizes civil war in Africa. He transformed these young adolescent warriors into uh, insidious, mindless, maniacally driven killing machines that operated with assembly line efficiencies. Now 43, boot from the Soviet Republic of Tajikistan, is a mystery man who reportedly served in the Soviet Air Force and Intelligence Service. The U.S. has indicted him on four terror-related charges, including conspiracy to kill Americans. What makes him a threat to the United States? He is a shadow facilitator. He's arming not only designated terrorist groups, uh, insurgent groups, but he's also arming very powerful drug trafficking cartels uh, around the globe. Taking advantage of Russian military contacts at the highest levels and the collapse of the Soviet Union, Federal prosecutors allege Boot essentially became a one-stop shop, offering an unlimited supply of stockpiled Cold War weapons to bad guys around the world, including Charles Taylor of Liberia, who's now on trial for war crimes. According to the U.S. indictment, Boot had a unique selling point when it came to weapons trafficking, a fleet of cargo airplanes capable of transporting weapons and military equipment anytime, anywhere. More than 60 planes in all, his own private air force. Those Russian aircraft uh, were built like flying dump trucks. He could move this stuff and drop it with pinpoint accuracy to any desert, to any jungle, to any other remote place in the world, right into the hands of what I refer to as the potpourri of global scum. But hey, if you can get the, uh, the black female lesbian icon back in exchange for letting that guy go, let him go. Just let him go. This is from the, the Daily Telegraph. The merchant of death was the most notorious arms dealer in the world, and Vladimir Putin may take advantage of his release in the Ukraine war. In the UK, think of this. America's supposed to be supporting Ukraine and, and its cause in this war, and now we send them back this merchant of death, Putin that is. For all the years that we've heard that Russia, 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 Putin, Putin, Putin's the worst in the world. And then, of course, Donald Trump was aligned right with him. And then here comes Joe Biden. Here comes Joe Obama and says, here you go. Have the merchant of death back and uh, send him back to you. Send him into Ukraine. Maybe he can get his since he's been in the slammer for 10 years, send him to Ukraine. He can get his feet wet there fighting against the forces we're supporting. How does any of this even make sense? I mean, leave it, leave it to the LGBTQI plus community to trump everything. As long as you get the black lesbian icon back, that's what really takes precedent here. That's really the top cause. It's the cause of all causes. A gift to the world, says Nancy Pelosi. Says, as Vladimir Putin desperately tries to plug gaps in his depleted military in Ukraine, Victor Boot may be just what he needs. For two decades, Boot has, was the most notorious arms dealer in the world, known as the Merchant of Death and the uh, sanctions buster for his ability to get around arms embargoes. Russia's invading force has lost half its main battle tanks, 
uh, and used most of its precision-guided munitions and sanctions are making it difficult to restock. Mr. Putin has been forced to seek artillery shells from North Korea and attack drones from Iran. But now Boot, with his global network of contacts, could provide a further option. You, you can't make this up. Pouring billions into Ukraine and then at the same time sending the merchant of death back to Putin. The, the, an, an international arms dealer coming at a time when Russia needs more arms. What a world. America's under attack, but the entire world is completely unhinged. We had an article. This is, this is actually in America under attack. We, we had a fair bit to say about the Bo Bergdahl swap. All of these, these foreign policy disasters in America under attack, it says, this is in the, the section, this is not incompetence. It's not incompetence. It says, when America announced it would leave Afghanistan by August 31, the Taliban, this is last year, the Taliban began taking over the country at lightning pace. Sources said the offensive was masterminded by uh, Karulullah Karikawa, a jihadist who had long aimed to eliminate America's presence from Afghanistan. He promised... This is a Taliban terrorist who promised Biden's White House that if the U.S. removed all its troops, the Taliban wouldn't attack. He became the chief Taliban negotiator dealing with the Biden administration. My father writes, the fact that Biden's team would talk with this man is deeply condemning. It turns out America knew him well. He had been captured and was confined at Guantanamo Bay. Mullah Karikawa previously served as the Taliban's interior minister in Afghanistan, where he oversaw enforcement of brutal Islamist punishments, including beheadings and stonings, the New York Post reported. After 9-11, he was arrested in Pakistan and sent to Gitmo in 2002. The Pentagon accused him of closely associating with Osama bin Laden and bin Laden's al-Qaeda uh, al henchmen. It says Karikawa and four other high-ranking Taliban terrorists were to be lifetime prisoners at Gitmo. The Pentagon called them the hardest of the hardcore among Guantanamo prisoners. But you know what happened, right? But the five men were released by Barack Obama. He let them go in 2014 in exchange for U.S. Army deserter Bo Bergdahl. So Bo Bergdahl deserts the U.S. Army, and Obama gives up that for Bo Bergdahl. And here comes Joe Biden, the fake illegitimate president. It may not be quite up there with the Bo Bergdahl swap, but it's a close second. We've got the black lesbian icon in exchange for the merchant of death who can now go back to Russia and help Putin. You know, Richard had some interesting comments with respect to the, the war in Ukraine as a result of this move. I mean, this could certainly help now the Russian cause at a time when we're supposed to be helping Ukraine. In either case, look at how weak the leadership is, these communist radicals, how weak it is with respect to the tyrants abroad, but how strong and iron-fisted it is when it comes to squashing political dissent at home. They've got control of Twitter, of Google, of Facebook, of big tech, big media. 
Silicon Valley. They've got control of popular culture. They've got control of it all. They, they control the White House. They control the Senate, although Kirsten Sinema announced today she's no longer in the Democrat Party. So there are some rumblings in Congress. The, the Republicans getting a majority in the House. And above all, the corruption, the lawlessness, the anti-Americanism, it really is being exposed. More and more people are seeing Jason Whitlock's <laughs> comment. They're seeing just how evil this is. They're seeing that we are, in fact, under attack. America under attack. Make sure you call our operators. Request a free copy. The number is 1-866-930-3024. We'll take a short break and come back to conclude today's show with our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. Are we living in the last days? Some dismiss the notion as fanatical, but world leaders and news analysts are issuing warnings that are becoming more and more dire. Could Bible prophecies about the last days actually be accurate? Our brochure can help guide you through the relevant news and history and help you compare these events to what the Bible says. Are we living in the last days? This brochure is available for free right now at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. The last few programs we've been talking about the fight for the truth and just how courageous we need to be in our stand against evil, in our stand against lies and deception. Yesterday I read through 2 Thessalonians 2, much of it where it says that uh, God sent strong delusion to Laodiceans because they didn't love the truth. God wants us to not only have it, receive it, but to embrace it, to love it, to keep it, to hold on to it, to hold fast. As Paul said there in 2 Thessalonians 2, this is from 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, where Paul says to Timothy, the evangelist, he says, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, Re reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preach God's word, preach the truth, in season, out of season. I mean, we, we need to know the truth and we need to be able to use it, to teach it, to proclaim it. Verse 3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. See, they just don't want to hear the truth, so they, they try to blot it out. They don't want to hear sound doctrine. They want to hear smooth things. They want to hear lies, flatteries. Verse 4 says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. They, they turn away their ears from the truth and instead embrace fables, myths, lies. This is from The Incredible Human Potential. It says, The eternal God nevertheless has made this vital revealed knowledge and truth available to any willing to believe what he says in his inspired book, The Book of Books, The Holy Bible, it says, this book has actually become the world's bestseller, but this precious book has been interpreted 
and misinterpreted, distorted, twisted, misrepresented, misunderstood, and maligned as no other book ever has. And you look at the spirit of Antiochus today, you consider the topics we discuss on uh, on this program in segment one, and it, it's not surprising. This is the way the devil operates. For centuries, he's tried to twist and distort and misrepresent and malign the Holy Bible. He wants to blot it out. It says in Isaiah 30, verse 9 and 10, I'll just read it to you, this, uh, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of God, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. And we're getting a steady diet of deceits in the world today. Whether you look at the, the world of the geopolitical world or the religious world, it's just deceits. You certainly see it in the world of traditional Christianity. Look at how many people believe in traditions of men, as opposed to what's actually taught in the Bible. Most people don't even crack it open. For most people, the Bible is just sitting on the shelf, gathering dust. Herbert Armstrong was different. He didn't go off to some seminary for four or five years and have a bunch of scholars tell him what to believe about the Bible. He just took his Bible and studied it. Now, he went and got some Bible helps when he was at the Portland Library back in 1926. But he delved into the Word of God. He delved into the meaning of some of the, the Greek words, the Hebrew words in the Old Testament. Got out the Bible atlases, the lexicons, the concordances. And he came to understand the Bible. The book, by the way, he wrote in his final year. I, I mentioned his conversion in 1926. This was the final book that he wrote in 1985. And this is like the, it's like a magnificent summary of Herbert Armstrong's entire ministry. And this, this book will actually help you understand the Bible. Isaiah 29 talks about the Bible being made up of all of these various pieces. Mr. Armstrong said it was like a jigsaw puzzle. And that Mystery of the Ages helps you put the puzzle pieces together. If you don't have it, again, call our operators, one 930 3024. Mr. Armstrong asked, did you ever ask yourself, who am I? What am I? Why am I? You are a mystery. The world about you is a mystery. He says on the cover of Mystery of the Ages, now you can understand. You can understand why this world is the way it is. It's a great mystery. What a blessing it is to have that veil lifted and to be able to see and to understand the truth. And yet what a sad and tragic reality when you think about how many people in this final era of God's church had their veil lifted, so to speak, could see and understand the truth, and then, and then they lost it. They fell away from the truth because they didn't love it, as I covered with you on yesterday's show. This is from 1 Corinthians 13. I'll start in verse 4. Paul writes, Charity, or God's love, God's love suffers long. It is kind 
God's love envies not. Love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, rejoices not in iniquity or sin, but rejoices in the truth. God's love rejoices in truth. And so should we. If God's living in us, this is what we do. We rejoice in the truth. We love the truth. We defend the truth. We fight for the truth. Notice Ephesians 6. This is the Apostle Paul again writing. Verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is what we're fighting against. It's a spiritual battlefield. It starts every day in our minds. Read, read. We read it this morning in epistles. Read 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. Read about that spiritual battlefield. Read about bringing every thought into the captivity of Christ. Really directing our minds, our thoughts even, in the direction of God and His kingdom and His righteousness. This is the war that we're in. Verse 13, it says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Put on all of God's armor when you go out to battle. Put it on like you would put on your clothes in the morning. Make sure you have the shield of faith. Make sure you have the helmet of salvation. Make sure you have that breastplate of righteousness. And make sure that you have the sword. Make sure you have the truth. Make sure you're fighting for the truth. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the, the breastplate of righteousness, your loins are girded about with God's truth. Verse 17 says, take, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see how God's truth, you see how God's Word really is central to this, all of this equipment, all of this armor, all of this weaponry. You've got to have the truth in this spiritual war that we're in. It says about God's word over in Hebrews 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of, of, the, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See, this, this weapon, the sword of the Spirit, this is knowing God's Word. That's what it means. Knowing God's Word and being able to use it. Being able to use the Holy Bible as the sword that it is. Using it together with God's Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. In the Daniel Unsealed book, this again is another, another booklet from our literature library that you can request. one 930 2.4, it says in the Daniel booklet, God's people have always understood that their sword is the word of God. But Satan has a sword too. He has a sword too, a sword of lies and flatteries. 
50% of the Laodiceans will fall by this sword forever. It says, if you look at this spiritually, God's people have fallen by the sword, the flame, and captivity. God has the sword of the Spirit, the sword of his word, but Satan has a sword of lies and flatteries as well. And as we've seen, that's what people want. So many of them want this. 2 Timothy 4 brings that out. So does Isaiah 30. They prefer the flatteries. They prefer the smooth things. They prefer righteous-sounding talk. They prefer the sounds of an angel of light, even if it's the devil himself. My father wrote in the most recent Royal Vision, this is in an article titled Reason, with God. It says, in the court case, we exposed Satan. He's talking about the lawsuit. Six years of litigation over this book, Mystery of the Ages. Six years we've talked about that lawsuit a fair bit over the course of this past week. But over the course of that six years, as I said even earlier in the week, I mean, we had to have all that discovery because we, we had an obligation to expose them. To tell the truth, in other words. To show what was actually happening. My father says Satan hates getting exposed. He disagrees with God's assessment that he is evil. He likes people to call him God and to worship him as though he's, he's good and loving. He's, he's an angel. The devil loves to be worshipped. It says Satan installed a man within the church of God who put himself in the place of God. He said, in effect, there is no law. Look to me. See, we'll worship. And if you don't reason with God, you end up worshiping a man. That's what the Laodiceans did. They paraded their exalted reasoning, but all they were doing was worshiping Satan and his man. And then my father says this, This same wicked reasoning infects politics today. Radical leaders know their reasoning is wrong. They are dishonest, and they know it, but they think the end justifies the means. That's Satan's reasoning. He's followed this same formula for thousands of years. You can read about that kind of mindset in politics today, here again in this wonderful book, America Under Attack, 1-866-930-3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We certainly appreciate you joining us on today's show. Thanks for joining us all week, and we'll see you next time.